This is Joey Cantillo, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm Podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my right is Roy. Hello. We are at Casa Jones again. Yeah, this is we've got a little quasi studio set up. You've got one of these coffee tables that lifts up. Yes. And uh, this works pretty nicely. It is. I shovel food in my mouth much much more efficiently. Oh, you can just like with, lay your face down on the side of the table and tilt the whole thing and <laughs> that's well, that's pretty much what it is. It's kind of like, you know, your your um your old school uh TV trays that you know you set and Yeah. You know, back back in the day. God, do they even have those anymore? Uh, yeah, I think they do. But it, instead of watching TV, everybody just stares at their phone now. Yeah. And now we have a whole table full. So, pitchers and catchers have reported. Yes. But it's raining like crazy. It's okay. And we're all just sitting here in limbo, sitting on the edge of our seats, waiting for everything to happen at the major league level. I've passed. I'm, I'm, I've gone through You're the done? five phases of grief. Yeah. Uh, I'm into indifference now. Okay. I don't care. I'm just basking in the glow of the photographs of Tatis and Urias. Oh, yeah. Running like gazelles on the African plain in the backfields of Peoria, Arizona. I saw a video of a bullpen today. Chris Paddock was front and center. Very nice. I, he's, you know, Craig Salmon was pretty, Craig Stamini and any Robert Stock was, you know, those guys are professionals. They've been in the league. Uh huh. When you saw Chris, you, you saw a rookie. You know, I saw like a, a young guy going, yeah, I'm just here to soak things up and do my best. And Yeah, but he still carries himself differently. He yeah. like How he would show up in a suit on game day. And yeah. he, he wants to be a professional. <clears throat> he's studied that kind of side of it. So I feel like he's going to fit in with those guys real well. Oh, absolutely. I'm just, it's, it's nice that he's there. It's nice that he's, uh, you know, he's, 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 He's just being Chris Paddock. Yeah. You know what I mean? That didn't mean anything bad by that. Also, then listening to Tatis talk about, um, you know, one of the first questions he was asked was, so they say you're going to be a third baseman. And he's like, uh, maybe in 12 years. I love that answer. <laughs> he takes so much pride in his defense. Well, I love the answer. It injected some humor. And then he was asked about, you know, I can condition my body. I work hard on that, you know, and he gave us some straight answers. And, then, you know, they went on about, you know, I'm here to play ball. I'm here to, I, you know, talked about being in the uh, Winter League and being a man. I became a man in the Winter Leagues. So I thought it was huge. I liked it. A little bit of injectable humor, a little bit of professionalism. He's definitely polished. I think his, you know, as those guys, even Chris Paddock and, and uh, Tatis start getting familiar with having that microphone in their face and, you know, in the big league stage, I think their personalities going to start coming through. And we're going to have a couple of leaders on our hands. Spring is in the air. Yes. All right. So we're batting leadoff. So our first story is unfortunately a bit of sad news. Um, hopefully it's going to have a happy story and a happy ending. Incursion. Um, not a happy ending. That's a horrible term. Phrasing. Brad Week has been diagnosed with testicular cancer in the off season. Um, he underwent surgery and is expected to spend most of spring training recovering. Uh, but he's out doing exercises with the players. Yeah. So it sounds like his recovery is on track and everything's good. Yeah. But it, that's a scary thing. Scary thing. Uh, anytime you see you hear the C word, 
you freak mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And it's kind of nice that we didn't hear anything about it until after it's, you know, he's already had the surgery. He's already on his road to recovery. It's none of this like, yeah, he's got been diagnosed with cancer. He's going to be in spring training or he's been diagnosed with cancer. His surgery is scheduled. Yeah, know? this isn't something that should interrupt his baseball career, it seems. No. But maybe this will wind up being a positive thing in the long run that this gives him, you know, something to be a champion of to, yeah. to spread the word. Absolutely. That and you know, listeners out there, check yourself. Yeah. You know, when when you're in the shower, you make sure that everything's the way it's supposed to be down there. I don't know how we do that in <laughs> Do we know anything? <laughs> well, I'm not going to give any advice. Dude, I know not... there are some people on Padres Twitter that we have. In fact, I saw that Men's Ray was willing to check some of the players. But that aside, <laughs> Google it. Check it out for yourself. It's it's simple, but it's something that right. you know, especially men ages 20 to 30 should right. be doing on a regular basis. Absolutely. You know, Lance uh, Lance Armstrong had it. Um, even with cancer, you know, Anthony Rizzo, there's several players that have survived cancer already and are in the big leagues and mm-hmm. are at least on their way. Um, so that's just good to hear. That's good to hear that he's going to be okay, that he's on the board of recovery. Yeah. Um, All right, so next up, F, now that everybody's reporting for spring training, the winter leagues have finally concluded. Finally. The uh, se- uh, Caribbean series com- finished with Team Panama winning the whole thing. Which is amazing. Team Panama hasn't played in the Caribbean Series since the 60s, I think. Yeah. And now this is their first season back in it, and they won it. And the cool thing for Padres fans is that Javi Guerra and Alan Cordoba were both front and center on that team. Right. And, well, first they had to stop the game from being played over in Venezuela. Like, I think we talked about this last Yeah, episode. all the political Where unrest going on there. Craziness. Yeah, it is um, not safe to be in Venezuela. And then Panama, it said to Panama... Uh, they played it in Rod Carew Stadium, which I didn't know Rod Carew was a Panamanian. And uh, Mariano Rivera threw out the first pitch. Like, it was a big deal. They made a big deal. They did a really good production, it sounds like, uh, with the World Series, uh, the Caribbean World Series. But Javi Guerra doing 7 for 18, 389 with a 1.111 OPS in the Caribbean Series. Three doubles, a homer, three RBIs, and two runs scored. Won the MVP. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, it it what what it makes me question. So I was listening to Keith Law on Mighty Ten Ninety. Okay, he appeared yesterday, and one of the things that they asked was, um, it and I they were framing it with Tatis's performance was how can you gauge this? What level of competition is he facing? And Keith Law said that it's it's a crapshoot that you've got current and former major league players. Yeah. So you may be going against somebody who's got experience and has the stuff, or you might be this might be somebody that wouldn't get out of the Dominican summer league. Right. You, you right. don't know. It's a whole spectrum of performance. So I would think that as they've gotten closer to spring training, a lot of the major league players are no longer on those rosters. Exactly. Um, and Javi Guerra showed some flashes last year in El Paso. He had some streaks where he would go, he'd get on fire and the guy's got power. It's just, he doesn't draw walks and he swings at all kinds of garbage. Yeah. Um, so, he was seven for 18. That's a pretty small sample size. What that's three or four games worth of at bats. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that he didn't draw a single walk in that time. Um, he didn't strike out a ton, but if you're facing s- competition that's below your level, then you should crush it. Exactly. So Alan Cordoba, he also went seven for 18. Um, but he didn't hit a single extra base hit. 
and he didn't draw a walk either. Yeah, well, you, we always say you don't walk yourself off the island. Yeah. So I, I, I apparently Alan Cordoba, they have him listed as a left fielder, but he played a few different positions. Um, but I wonder if something to do with that, the concussion that he, because he didn't show any power last year in like Elsinore either. Right. But we saw when he was with the major league team, he's got pop for yeah. a guy his age. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if there's some kind of lingering effect that is just keeping him from being able to connect and show power. But regardless, um, he stole a base. He scored a few runs. He was a part of a successful postseason environment. So good for them. Absolutely good for them, and good for, uh, good for us, and good for Panama. Yeah, right. Yeah, good for Panama. Um, moving on, Baseball America's Justin Coleman had nine prospects that impressed in the winter leagues, and three Padres prospects made the list. And it's no surprise that Fernando Tatis Jr. heads that list. Uh, he writes here, El Nino won over the hearts of Estrellas Orientales fans with his impressive approach at the plate. The 20-year-old worked deep counts, 379 on-base percentage, and provided power at the plate, 488 slugging, 11 extra base hits in 23 games. In addition to timely offense, Tatis showed excellent body control and played a plus defense shortstop all season long. One of the top prospects in baseball, Tatis should be called to the big leagues at some point in 2019. So a plus defensive shortstop. Yeah. And Estrellas Orientales, that town that they play in, is known for producing shortstops. Yeah. That's that's his hometown. It's like the shortstops of the world. Yeah. And so if you're gonna go there and you're gonna you're gonna stand out and look like a stud defender at shortstop, you gotta be legit. Yeah. So all of these questions about is he gonna stick, is he gonna have to move off to third base, like he said, let's let's answer that question five or ten years from now. I, the male body, the human body, does not actually get its peak growth. It's like stop really kind of growing till the age of 25, 26. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of when the peak performance is. And then, you know, your body is stopped filling out. Yeah, you stop building muscle and you start building fat because our metabolism slow down like I can much, much attest. Like I do. <laughs> All right, so next is Edward Olivares. Um, he played in the uh, Venezuelan League. And so um, they wrote, Olivares is an athletic 22-year-old center fielder who shows five-tool potential. He showed good bat speed in Venezuela and should develop more pop in the future. Olivares hit 340 and got on base at a 404 clip for the Tigres de Agua uh, while showing good defensive skills in the outfield. The Padres acquired Olivares from the Blue Jays for young Gervais Solarte prior to the 2018 season, and he's ready to tackle double-A after joining the 40-man roster in the offseason. Yeah. So that's an interesting angle right there so he played in lake elsinore last year yeah he's going to be in double a this year but then he's on the 40-man roster they did that to protect him from the rule five draft yeah so that kind of constricts the padres from a roster movement standpoint because now that you've got to keep this guy and if something were to happen i guess if there were enough injuries or transactions on the major league roster there's a chance he might get a call up at some point this year but it's a it's a long shot it is a long shot but you have that flexibility of the of in the forty man roster. So now that the the spring training is here, I read somewhere that they could put uh, the yeah, two the sixty day uh, injured list is yeah. now open for business. So you can put um, Garrett Richards and Denelson Lamette if you're confident that he's going to be out for the first sixty yeah. days. So now that opens up a couple roster spots. Um, people want to assign those roster spots right away to marquee big free agent signings, which 
would make sense, but Absolutely. I have a feeling that we're going to see there are so many minor leaguers and fringe major leaguers that are out there looking for work right now. Yeah. And we you, have some glowing, some glaring position holes. Yeah, and so every year we see we More see phrasing. the we see the 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 Padres pick up some relievers and some starting pitchers that are yeah. kind of off on the outskirts. Yeah. So another one of those that didn't make this list here, Ryan Bollinger, he was in Australia, and I don't have his stats up in front of me, but he had a fantastic offseason in Australia. Okay. He was in the Yankees system, um, and now he has a he's a minor league signee, and he has an invite to spring training. So he's one of these guys that might get a chance. Yeah. So to wrap up um, Justin Coleman's Baseball America article here, Gerardo Reyes is the third person that was mentioned. Um, and he is a right-handed pitcher who can touch 100 miles an hour and yep. throw a sidearm. He was just added to the 40-man roster as well this year. So definitely somebody to watch. He writes, Reyes shined for Ciudad Obregón, striking out 20 batters across 18 relief innings without yielding an earned run. The 25-year-old right-hander throws from a lower three-quarters arm slot with a slinging arm action, making him particularly effective against right-handed batters. Dude, could you imagine that coming from the sidearm? At 100? 100 miles an hour. That's crazy. It starts probably in your back hip Yeah. as a hitter, and then it comes... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's coming out of, like, left field. Exactly. So as a righty, how are you going to fight that off if he's pitching up and in? Oh, my God. How do yeah. you get your hands up and try to do something with it? Get your hands through on that. That's going to be pretty tough. So I've got a bunch of other notes here. If you don't mind me rattling down through some stuff, because Baseball America and uh, Fangraphs and all everybody's been busy lately. So Baseball America wrote a, a glaring article about Logan Allen. Yeah, it says Logan Allen knocking on Padres' door, um, and the point of the article was just that he had a fantastic year last year. He pitched 141 innings, 148.2 innings, um, and I I looked it up. Every single appearance that he made was. Four innings or more, all but one were six innings or more, okay. and he pitched eighty innings, eighty pitches or more in all but one of those appearances as well. So he's fully warmed up as right. far he's as the workload goes. He's stretched out. Yeah. So one hundred forty-eight innings last year. Maybe he'll ramp up to one hundred seventy-five, hundred eighty innings, which in today's game that's a pretty full workload. Right. That that's. 26, 27 starts, maybe. So he was working on being efficient as well. So there's a quote in here that says, I've been pretty efficient and throwing the ball better. Just bared down and worked on some of my pitches that stopped worrying about all the things that can go wrong or what I'm not doing right. I've just competed my way through every game. And that's that's got to be a tough corner to turn because as, as you get drafted, you're going through from team to team and you're working on different things. They're working on mechanics. You're working on this and that. And so you've got all these thoughts in your head. Right. And at some point, you finally get to a point where you mature and you can make all that BS go away. And all you're worried about is just pitching to your runner or pitching to your, to your batter, worrying yeah. about worrying about the game, playing the game of baseball rather than playing pitcher, playing mechanics. Well, you're not, you're not overthinking it at all. Absolutely. I, I just want to point out that Roy's looking at his phone and, and, and the type uh, the the type size is like an ant couldn't read this. It's so small. It looks like Jim. I, it's just how can you read that? I, I I guess I still have good eyes. I'm I'm grateful for that. Both my parents wore glasses after they turned about forty, and I turned forty in a month. So hopefully these eyes keep working. Um, our friends over at Prospects Live, uh, Ralph Lifshitz published an article, and he's starting a new series of articles called Planting Flags. So 
Prospects Live, if you guys aren't familiar with it, go check them out. They have some very talented writers working for them. Um, they've got a tool on there called Miners Graphs, which is kind of like fan graphs, okay. but you can look at advanced metrics for um, across minor league minor leaguers' yeah. careers. It's very cool. Um, and so he's got this new series called Planting Flags where he's going to make a bold statement about something. And this first one that he wrote is about Chris Paddock. Yeah. It's titled, Chris Paddock is a Future Ace. Um, and... It's a pretty long article. And it's a pretty hot take. I mean, for us in the Padres system, you know, us follow the Padres minor leaguers, we think he's an ace. A lot of people don't think he's an ace because well, they're just two pitches. It, it's the two pitches thing. Yeah, so he's got a fastball that has movement, and it's a mid-90s yeah. fastball. He draws a lot of comps, I guess, to Kyle Hendricks. I've yeah. seen some people talking on Twitter about that lately. Yeah. But um, who? it was in a... I think Eric Longenhagen was asked about this, and it says that that's not a fair comparison because his fastball is way harder than anything Kyle Hendricks ever had. Hendricks throws like 93, I think. That he peaks out at like 93, where he'll, Paddock sits 94, 95, and he can yeah. elevate above that. Spot that. But he can locate it, and that's that's been Kyle Hendricks' calling card is his location. Yeah. So paddock has the fastball with life that he can locate and he's got this change up that they say if there if it's a set if there's a 70 change up anywhere in baseball it's his yeah so bunny-esque yeah but it's two pitches now we've seen some pitchers have a lot of success with two pitches but he's working on a curveball so i know you haven't had a chance to read it but dennis lynn's article that he just wrote today where he's talking about the use of rhapsodo and edgertronic um, yeah, advanced technologies that the Padres are starting to incorporate. It yeah. sounds like they've been using it all last year, at least in the minors, because um, as you'll hear in a little bit, Joey Cantillo mentioned that it was in all of his bullpens in the Arizona... Um, in the Arizona League, yeah, yeah. Back at the complex. But uh, so um, Darren Balsley was talking to Paddock, and he recommended that Paddock uh, watch a lot of YouTube videos of pitchers that he likes and what their curveballs do, how they use it, what the delivery looks like, what the shape of the pitch looks like, and try to visualize that yourself, what you want your pitch to look like. And he started pitching to a screen that was only five feet away from him because he didn't want to be focused on the results as much as the process and the way the ball felt coming out of his hand. Interesting. God, Bosley's just Yoda. He's yeah. Yoda, dude. He is, well, he is and, Yoda. And so then they got him in front of a Rhapsodo machine, and you're looking at the spin rate and the axis and the efficiency because it's looking at what the ball's doing as it rotates, and it can judge how those seams are interacting with the air. And he says he's a very visual learner, Paddock yeah. is. And so he was able to take that information and... I don't think he was using that to change anything that he was doing, but it's at least giving him the feedback that what he's doing is effective. What is a good curveball and what's right. not? Because as the pitcher, when you're throwing to somebody else, you might see the shape on it or it might feel a certain way coming off your hand, but the catcher's the one that has to tell you if that was a good pitch or not. Right, right. And maybe you hit your spot, maybe it felt right, but it was a big old looper that somebody's going to see a mile away. Right. You he wanna, hangs it, they'll bang it. Yeah, yeah. You, you hangy, he bangy. <laughs> um, so um, there was a quote from his older brother, Michael, Michael Paddock. Uh, he has accomplished a lot of special things so far. The most impressive part of all of it to me is that his performance and stats have only gotten better at each level he climbed. In my opinion, he's absolutely going to be an ace, but not for the reasons most think. It will be to prove every single person in or around baseball that genuinely thinks he won't be an ace wrong. I've told him since day one, work until the ones who said you couldn't ask how you did it. That's a great quote. That's a fantastic quote. Yeah. And he's got that chip on his shoulder. 
and so that that contributes to the professionalism and his preparation and when he's on the mound it's it's all business he's all business so one last thing here, Fangraphs published an article called Picks to Click. So Fangraphs just came out with their top 130 in baseball. They did. And I've got a giant spreadsheet where I've been tracking all this stuff. And someday when we don't have anything else to talk about, I can go down some rabbit holes about, about rankings. But they had a follow-up saying, Picks to Click, who we expect to make the 2020 top 100. And under the section called Advanced Young Bats with Defensive Value, he listed Xavier Edwards, Tucupina Marcano, Estuary Ruiz, and Jason Rosario. Nice. So his quote here says, This is the group that produces the likes of Vidal Brujan and Luis Urias. Edwards is a high-effort gamer with 70 speed and feel for line drive contact. Marcano isn't as stocky and strong as X, but he too has innate feel for contact and could be a plus middle infield defender. Yeah, those, you know, something I noticed uh, on, on social media is... You know, someone small and kind of wiry like Luis Patino. I saw a picture of him the other day on, on Instagram, and he looks like he's putting on some muscle. Oh, he's put on some serious bulk. You know, and to Peter's that skinny frame where it's a small frame. He's just, you know, he's thin boy, but he's young. And yeah. he's going to put on muscle. And you want those guys. You don't want the big trunks. You know, you don't want the big trunk legs at 18 mm-hmm. or 19 years old. You want those guys to be wiry and then build from there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see all those guys up on Lake Elsinore next year. You know, your description right there reminded me of Jorge Oña. Yeah. I think that's what they saw when they when they signed him out of Cuba, that he was built like a bull. He was strong, and he had the broad shoulders and the the developed body to drive the ball in, right. in ex- exhibitions. But then in games, he looks stiff. He looks... It's and he doesn't that. move quite as fluid in the field. Right. Uh, but to Capito Marcano, he's, I mean, the guy's, he's got the pitch recognition yeah. and the plate discipline. And that's something that is a very difficult thing to, to teach. It's not something that you can learn. That's the God-given ability. You can build strength. Yeah. I'm curious to see what Luis Urias looks like because he's put on a bunch of muscle too. If you, once again, you see these guys and, and you follow them on social media. Like I saw a picture of you the other day. He's like, Dude, he's got some biceps there. Yeah, he's put he's on got some, some arms, some meat, you know. And that's what that's what we talked about before with uh, Sam Guinea when he says we open up the complex to these guys all year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Luis Urias was out there, but these young players that can get out there and they can work out, they can you know get out to the field and they're around trainers, they're around the gym, they're around nutrition, they're around baseball. Yeah. So they're doing nothing but playing baseball during the day, getting stronger getting better and then doing whatever they do at night. But, and it's just, it, what Sam said, it's like, however you win your off season Mm -hmm. is how you come into, into the season. Yeah. But it's not just lifting weights. It's also all the agility drills and all the other stuff. And I'm sure that Luis has been doing all that stuff because his, the defense has to hold up and he needs to have the quick hands, the quick. So with the added muscle. So the, the thing with the steroids, argument was always well it just makes people big so they can hit more home runs but that wasn't always the case i mean d gordon got popped for peds and he's not a home run hitter but he won a batting title right so if you have a little bit more strength then you can adjust to a pitch you can manipulate the bat more you have quicker hands so then you can adjust to timing well also with with steroids it's not mainly about building strength but it's recovery and recovery with with the with the baseball at that level you need every muscle firing not one twitch like i i've been working a lot this week you know i work days now and as the week has progressed i do five miles a day in a restaurant i walk five miles 
in a day in an eight hour period. My hips are tired. By the end of the day, I am beat. So if I'm playing a sport at a high level, the next day, I know it's just baseball, but your muscles are just a little bit tired. It's the recovery time. It quickens the recovery time is what steroids really does. So maybe if you had some cream or the clear, then you'd be, you know, the next day at work, you'd be... Right. You wouldn't be feeling it so much? Dude, it'd be like eastbound and down. I can just like roid up and <laughs> not... Like my boss even said it the other day. He's like, you walk like a drunk gorilla. I'm like, yeah, it's, I do five of them busting my ass around here. I don't know why I had to say that, but you know what I mean? But that's... Steroids do that. That's what steroids are for. It's not about really building the you know, the anabolic steroids. Absolutely. With building the muscle and, and mm-hmm. the strength, it's the reaction time. It's the recovery. I'm sorry. It's the recovery time. Well, hopefully steroids aren't a topic for anybody in the Padres organization, um, but building strength and being able to recover more quickly uh, you know, and having the agility and, and all of this to be able to support yourself through a 160-game season, Absolutely. that's important. Absolutely. And that's, you know, I think as the sport evolves and uh, just technology evolves, these guys are just going to get leaner, stronger, and more flexible and um, just peak athletes. I mean, could you imagine what baseball is going to be like in 10 years? Well, I'm excited to see what Padres baseball is going to be like in the next two or three years. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, and we'll just talk about that for a moment. Our window's opening up in the next year or two years, um, and our system is deep enough where we could sustain high competition for up to a 10-year period. That was the goal. Yeah. That's been the stated goal since A.J. Perler walked in the door. Absolutely. Guys like, you know, Xavier Edwards, Tucapita Marcano, um, Tirso O'Neill, those guys are 18, 19 years old. Yeah. If, if they were just on a regular plane, a regular track, they're three, four years away. Mm-hmm. And then we still have years of development with players that are, are in the same area that may not develop as fast, may be late bloomers, or may develop quicker. Um, plus, with not you know, with the draft and with the trades and so and all these guys, we're not going to be able to keep them. We're going to be able to trade them for draft picks or, you know, trade them for better players. Um, sorry, more minor leaguers and just be able to sustain the minor leagues. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is like, we just started doing this podcast last this year. Um, we have years and years of, a, of, of top, minor league system to talk about. I certainly hope so, because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, this is fun. This is way more fun than looking around and going, okay, who's the good player? All right, on, on Fort Wayne, is there anybody good that's right. who? <laughs> oh, hey, this guy went two for five last week. Uh, no, this, this is fun. This is a fun organization. And when I see these guys mm-hmm. that cover all the different teams, and then it's like they start wringing their hands, okay, now I get to talk about the Padres. Right. The guys in Prospects Live, Jason Wardell, uh, just talked to uh, Emily Walden, and we're going to hopefully be able to talk to her in spring training, um, talking about writing some of these top 30 prospect lists for some of these teams. And it's like, I struggle to find guys, you know, 30 guys in the Texas uh, organization, mm-hmm. or even um, not Detroit, but other other teams. Yeah, they'll get to like 20, and then right. they start really looking. where. Right. Those same guys, they're looking at the Padres. They're going 50-plus deep, and it's like, okay, who do I have to leave off this list? Right. So that's uh, that's really encouraging. Well, speaking of top prospect lists, we're going to talk to somebody who isn't on any top prospect list yet, but hopefully he will be after another good season. Absolutely. Joey Cantillo is coming up right after this. 
Joey Cantillo drafted in the 16th round in 2017 was Hawaii's Gatorade Player of the Year, where he posted a 5-1 record of 1.24 ERA and fanned 71 batters in 45 and two-thirds innings. He also recorded an 18-strike game, 18 strikeout game. In 2018, the six foot four lefty piled up 58 strikeouts in 45 innings in rookie ball, earning his late season start for Fort Wayne and Mad Friars, Arizona League Pitcher of the Year. And he joins us here on Friars on the Farm. Joey, welcome. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. So we've got a bunch of notes here. I did some digging into old interviews and stuff that you did. Um, your name, you were named after Joe DiMaggio. Yes, I, I was. So your dad grew up a big Yankees so, fan? My dad was a huge Yankees fan growing up. Obviously, he was he's from Long Island, so he's a Yankees fan. And uh, Joe DiMaggio has always been his favorite player. He definitely puts him as the greatest player of all time. So name me after Joe DiMaggio. And my mom's uh, father was also named Joseph. So where that's in, where they got the name. Where in Long Island was your dad from? Uh, Smithtown. Smithtown. I got to remember that because my wife's from yeah. uh, Port Washington, where she was born in Brooklyn, but raised in Port Washington, Long Island. So whenever I hear someone yeah. say Long Island, I'm like, oh, my wife maybe knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's beautiful out there. Donovan thinks that everybody in Long Island knows each other, like it's a small <laughs> town or something. <laughs> hey, so, um, so who were some of your favorite players growing up? Um, well, when I was younger, obviously I was a Yankees fan just because of my dad, but uh, I know – now that I'm with the Padres, it's hard to say, but I was a huge Dodgers fan, especially in high school, and I was a, I was a big Clayton Kershaw guy. So, I mean, I still am a Clayton Kershaw guy, so uh, that's definitely been my favorite player. Uh, <laughs> we, we forgive you for that. It's all right. <laughs> You'll get a hard time about that everywhere you bring it up, but you know what? It's He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Okay, so. how about the, yeah, how about this? No, no Dodgers. Hate the Dodgers, but I like Clayton Kershaw. You, you can like the Dodgers. The that's all right. Pitches. When you come up to Peco, though, it's it's got to change a little bit. You got to leave that behind. Yeah, I definitely. Think. Well, <laughs> definitely, and, and Kershaw is a, he's a tireless worker. He's a great guy in the community. He's a good guy to emulate. Incredible work ethic. Exactly. And uh, exactly. I know a couple of the other players in the organization. Uh, uh, Joey Lucchese and Mackenzie Gore both mention him. Um, and I think when you watch Lucchese pitch, you can see a little bit of the mechanics. Yeah. Um, and I know that he's kind of copied um, copied the 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 warm up routine. The Kershaw does until the lefties. Yeah, I mean, but like you guys said, uh, on and off the field, he's a great guy, and what he does for the community, obviously. And then you go on to the field, he's you know can't argue with his numbers. So right, well, you, well that, that kind of gets into our next thing here. You uh, you like to be intimidating and aggressive. Do you throw inside? How do you intimidate batters? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely pitch inside. I think just locating my fastball around the zone is important. Um, I, I like I'm very serious out there. I kind of I pitch with a lot of emotion, so I guess aggressive could be said when watching me pitch. So, yeah. All right. Hey, you definitely, you... definitely an angry guy out there. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the first competitor, man. If if you look pissed out there, it'll give batters pause for sure. Do you find that that ever gets in your way? That like you get too worked up about something, or you have a hard time getting to that level? Um. I mean, I'd say. Yeah, so I mean, sometimes the emotions get the best of you, and you can, you know, you go over the top sometimes. And haven't that hasn't knock on wood hasn't happened in my pro career, but yeah, that's definitely happened before. Yeah, yeah. And thinking off the cuff, I uh, Robert Stock and his brother have a new podcast, and I don't know if you listen to it. They call it the, they call it the Try Harder Podcast. 
Um, and they talk about the emotion and how you have to get yourself mentally up for making that pitch. And like yeah. in warmups, you might only be throwing 85, but then right. you get in the game and next thing you know, it's 92, 93 uh, because, yeah. because of the heat. Yeah. Hey, so, so you played and, first. And, and, yeah. It, so when you were in high school, uh, when you weren't pitching, you played first base, right? Yes. And you were a pretty good hitter. Very good hitter <laughs> in my eyes. Yeah. Five seventeen, <laughs> you raked. <laughs> you haven't had a chance yeah, to practice no. that since you uh, since you've been drafted, have you? Uh, a few times in instructs, a couple times uh, extended. So I've hit a few times with the Padres just to mess around in the cages. So still got it. But. Do you have any opinion about the uh, the DH possibly coming over to the National League? I hope it doesn't happen. I mean, I know there's a lot of guys. Just, just thinking about myself here and a lot of other pitchers that I know of. You know, some of us still love to hit, and and me, like it still brings that. Like your kids still playing baseball. Baseball is more than just. I mean, I love pitching and everything, right, but baseball. Right. You know, you're, you know, you get to run the bases. Obviously, you get to hit a baseball. So that's that's my goal. Get to double A, start hitting, get to the big leagues, be a hitter, show the world I can hit and not just pitch. So. Dude, pitchers that rake. Yeah. Nice. yeah, exactly. So uh, help your team out. So you, what showcases were you, did you play in? Um, I'd say the major ones in high school were the the area code games right. in California and Long Beach. Those were huge. Um, and then the perfect game. It was the perfect game national in uh, in Jupiter, the big Jupiter one. Yeah. So not much, not much. Those are the two major ones. Smaller ones like my junior junior summer and stuff like that but those are the two major ones going into my senior year so being from hawaii that's a ton of travel yeah no definitely um there's a few travel ball teams like there's a team hawaii that they have uh they make a travel ball team out of like 50 kids from hawaii and we go out to actually here to the peoria complex and play in like the arizona fall classic and stuff which is it's smaller but yeah there's I think those two that I just mentioned beforehand were the biggest ones as far as getting, you know, scouted. That's still cool. It gets you in a in a big a big stadium in front of a little bit of a crowd. You feel a little bit more more pressure, I imagine. Have you kept in touch with any yeah. of the guys that you played with in those uh, in those showcases? Yeah, no, a lot of guys. I know those travel ball teams. A lot of them are now drafted, and a lot of them go to big D one and stuff, and are doing really good. So, yeah. Who are some of the drafted guys? Uh, Trevor Rogers, you got, he was the 13th overall pick in my draft class. We have the same agency now too, but Trevor Rogers was in the area code game. Uh, Cole Bellinger was on my team. He's now my yeah. friend here. He's with the, uh, yeah. Padres, obviously you guys know him. So a bunch of guys, I mean, a lot of guys at ASU, right. Cause we were in that, uh, Hawaii's grouped up with the, uh, the four corners in the area code game. So okay. a lot of guys from Arizona and stuff like that, but yeah, no, a lot of guys have kept in touch with. <clears throat> nice. So you uh, you had like a dozen D one offers, and you chose <clears throat> Kentucky. Um, why Kentucky? Um, I'd say it was first of all the SEC. You can't like coming from a small place in Hawaii. I think the SEC was just the, the dream to play in as far as college baseball. Yeah. Right? You got all those fans. You're playing in those big stadiums, and you know Kentucky itself with. The, the school aspect was obviously a really important. They were great, but I mean, it was a big school, great facilities, you know, everything, everything I looked for in college. So, and you know, a big state school. And it snows there. You know that, right? Hawaii guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a fan of snow to be honest. 
So, so it must have been out to New York and stuff a bunch. It must have been tough breaking that commitment. Yeah, no, it was it was very tough. That was that was a tough phone call. So, well, let's talk but about that. Where where were you uh, on draft day? On draft day, yeah. I was at home in in Hawaii. Yeah, were you with your family? Were you waiting for a phone call? Yeah. Did you know the pods were going to call? Uh, no, yeah, I was I was in I was in my house. I think I was in my living room with my dad, and uh, yeah, we were just it was the third day, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, we were just on the laptop. My dad just really paying attention. I was kind of just dozing off, you know. It was getting late, so yeah, with the fam, like we were, we were hanging out. Yeah, and when it happened, really happy and everything. So, yeah. So you did know the Padres were going to draft. You had a relationship with them. Um, going into it, I, I knew the Padres was the the one pre draft workout I went to. We were in communication with a few other teams. But yeah, I, I knew the Padres definitely had uh, more interest than the other teams. So who, who, I had a feeling the Padres. Nice. Who were the other teams? Um, the Phillies, the Indians, uh, the Blue Jays. This is all on draft day. I, obviously, oh, yeah. I, I filled out all the I filled out all the information. Uh, in the fall and the spring and the, and the summer before, you know, you do all the questionnaires and you have the in-house visits and stuff. But towards draft day, it was only like, I think those three or four teams were like the major, major nice. teams. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I understand you're a pretty good cook. You can make a mean fried chicken. <clears throat> yeah, I cook. Yeah. Fried chicken. Yeah. I cook everything. I try to stay away from fried chicken nowadays. So. <laughs> has, yeah. has the team talked to you about nutrition and conditioning and all of that? Um, I mean, we've had a few meetings on it, but I, I think on my own, I, I just try to eat clean and take care of myself, yeah. especially okay. being in Hawaii, you know, you're at the beach every day, try to look as good as possible, you know, big and strong. Nice. Well, that's interesting. So when you were living, you know, did you cook for your teammates when you're during the season? Are you cooking now? Are you cooking now for yourselves uh, when you're at home at yeah, night? I'm, yeah. Uh, the whole off season I was cooking it, but obviously I'm going out to eat my friends and stuff when everyone's home. But uh, now I'm in the apartment, actually, in Peoria. So I'm getting to cook every day, which is nice. So Dude, what game it's is better he, than the hotel. What game is he it's watching? better than the hotel. <laughs> is he watching some hockey or what, some basketball what, in the background? <laughs> he's watching uh, Houston and UConn. Oh, nice. Basketball. Sorry. Oh, that's a tough game, <laughs> It's all man. good. That, that's a tough game. So speaking of basketball, <laughs> you can play – you can hoop a little bit, I hear. Uh, I'm all right. I – Messed around in high, in high school a little, but no, not, I haven't really played competitively so, in a while. AJ Proler plays some basketball, um, so just be warned, you might wind up in some like two-in-the-morning pickup game yeah. with him. <laughs> so what usually oh, gosh, happens is yeah. he has a 4 a.m. pickup basketball game, and uh, he'll ask guys from the media, other players, and other people in, you know, in and around the whole Phoenix area, and they'll play basketball at 4 a.m. before everyone gets started. Do you play any, wow. ping, do you play any ping pong? Yes, I, I play a little ping pong. I'm all right. There's a uh, there's a tournament every spring among the players. And so I, I know last year yeah. Luis Torrens won it. Andy Green considers himself a pretty good ping pong player. So yeah. be warned, when you make your first big league camp, you're probably going to be part of this yeah. ping pong tournament. Yeah, I'll be in there, definitely. All right. So do you have any superstitions about baseball or anything else in general? Um... Yeah, I'm, I'd say I'm a pretty superstitious guy. Uh, 
I'm, I'm not going to go into all of it. With ah! you guys, but yeah, I definitely. <laughs> no, it's a lot. That's why I'm very superstitious. Uh, no, I, I have a, a pregame warm up and everything and routine. And as far as my start day, I, I like to do everything, you know, in the same sequence, in the same way every single day. And I mean, that's how you got to do it. It's a long year. And last year, my first full season, I, I, I understood that, man. It's a grind. So I tried to stay really, you know, every day. Is a rock star still part of your routine? No, it's not. No, it's not. Did you replace that, that with something? Did you replace that with something else? I didn't actually. Uh, that's actually really funny. My first uh, last year, or 2017, right, the year I got drafted, I the first two because I was a reliever, right? They had me out of the pen uh, in the AZL. I uh, I tried to get. I think I went two two outings going with the the rock star and then the strength and conditioning coach was like, all right, man, like there's no need for that. Like, you know, it's useless. And I, and it was, it was something I slowly, I, I went the first game without taking it. And I was all, you know, superstitious. I was like, man, how am I going to do without having my rock star that I've used the last three years of my life? But, uh, yeah, no rock star anymore. No energy drinks before I pitch. <laughs> Especially being a, a reliever, you got to get hot on short notice. Yeah. It's not like yeah. as a starter, you yeah. got your routine, you know, okay, an hour before I'll start drinking this thing. But as a reliever, yeah, yeah, exactly. you're just sitting there waiting for them to call your number, right? Yeah, I'm sitting there in the desert in the in the uh, chain link fence in the bullpen with the with the rock star shoved in my uh, my turf shoes. So, yeah, that was, that was tough. It's, Good it's, thing I stopped with that. That would have been horrible. Your kidneys will thank you later. <laughs> well, dude, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, you spent most of the year in the complex, only 48 innings. They they really limit you guys uh, in pitching. So when you started, did you like pitch what three innings at a time, four innings at a time, or how'd that work? This, this past year, yeah, no, they definitely have pitch counts and everything. And, uh, um, yeah, I was an extended last year. I think it, it was it was really slow. Yeah, it was you know two innings, two innings, and then your next out your next outing will be three, three, and they and even in the AZO, like most of my my outings last year, I only had sixty pitches to work with, sixty five pitches to work with. Okay. So I mean, it, you know, going four innings, I th- there was I think there was one outing last year where it went six innings with like sixty three pitches. So I was you know that's efficient, but. I, it doesn't really matter. You're on their pitch count. So so I guess that gives you some incentive to make quick outs rather than trying to strike everybody out. Yeah, I, I think it goes both way there. It goes, goes both way there because um, you definitely want to, you know, K guys and, and it looks good on your stat sheet. But, you know, getting quick – a good balance is obviously important. Right. So. And, and do some weak contact. Hey, so at the complex, yeah. so do you have – so when you do these – when you start – do you have specific things you're working on, like, hey, we want you to throw five sliders or, or you know, work off your fastball? Or do they work on sequencing, or do they just go, all right, here you go? Are you talking about in the games? Yeah, or? in the games. during the Yeah. Um, no, not not really. I, they just – as far I, I can't speak for other guys, but as far as myself, they just told me to go out there and pitch. And, uh, you know, there was certain stuff I was working with my pitching coach, uh, John Halama. And yeah, no, maybe it was, you know, work towards the end of the year, I was trying to work on my curveball more, which I wasn't even throwing. So, you know, you know, hey, try to mix in some curveballs. But as far as that goes, no, it's just pitch, pitch with what you got. So speaking of what you got, can you tell us what your repertoire is and how you feel about those pitches? So I got my four seam fastball, uh, my changeup, which is kind of like a Vulcan changeup, I guess, guys. I hold it like this, kind of like a split change. And then, yeah, and then a, a curveball. So those three pitches. 
And uh, the curveball, I did not have a curveball last year, to be honest with you guys. I was I was basically all of last year. I pitched with two pitches, a fastball and a changeup. So uh, in instructs, they had me solely work on that curveball. I wasn't even allowed to throw my changeup. Nice. Oh wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was an instructs, right? So you, you know, it's it's obviously controlled games but so yeah this year i'm really looking forward to actually working with those three pitches i've, I've had a better feel for my curveball and everything so yeah i'm excited so dennis lynn is a beat writer for the athletic for the padres um he just mm-hmm. published an article today while i was driving over here um about the padres using rapsodo and edgertronic some of these advanced technologies to look at spin rate spin axis um as, as well as mechanics and super slow motion have you had a chance to use any of that stuff yeah, um, that that stuff is great. Every pen I threw last year in Arizona, they had a wrap soto on it. Like my my pens in between starts. Yeah, so it was nice to see that. Um, you know, it shows the spin rate and everything. I didn't look too much into it. Like I wasn't as far as in instructs. I didn't like we didn't really use. It was on us, but I didn't really look at it as far as my curveball and stuff because I was just like you know I was figuring out my release point and that stuff like that. But uh, no, I've definitely worked with that thing a lot, and they're great. Yeah. That's Real quick, age. that's John Halama. He used to be a bullpen guy for. for I the, want, he for was with the Mariners Seattle, for a long time. Mariners, yeah, yeah, I actually show my yeah. age. I've been to a game that he pitched in in Seattle. So. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah. So then you came get... up with there, came up with Houston, and then he pitched with with Seattle through their like glory days with all those guys in like the early two yeah. thousands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I lived in Portland from 2000 to 2006, so we'd run up to, to Safeco. If you ever get a chance, Safeco's an awesome ballpark. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. now it's called. I was, I was in... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, w- I was in Seattle this past year, so I got to see this. I drove past the stadium, but I, I haven't been in it. It's called like T-Mobile Park now. Yeah, they all change names all the time. It's confusing. Uh, <laughs> so then you, you spend most of the time in the, in the complex, and you get sent to Fort Wayne. Uh, not the results you wanted, but uh, still, it was your first uh, first taste of A-ball. How'd that go? Yeah, it was obviously great. I was really excited to go out there and you know get out of Arizona. Um, obviously, I didn't I didn't pitch as great as I wanted to, but I at the same time I didn't pitch horrible. I, the, the stats didn't really show exactly how I pitched. Uh, a couple guys that were were on base when I came out scored, but I mean, I. I started off fine, kind of lost my fastball command, but it was definitely great to, you know, be out there pitching in front of fans and yeah. and see how my see how my stuff was against those better hitters. So it was, you know, it was also encouraging too to say, hey, like, you know, yeah, I, I can I can pitch against these guys. I can pitch in this league. So absolutely, and that's yeah. where you're probably going to start next year is probably in in, uh, in Fort Wayne. I was just trying to show you my uh, Fort Wayne tin cap shirt. I wasn't. Trying to show yeah, you yeah, no, I saw it. Yeah, I like it. I love it. <laughs> so yeah. you were working in as a reliever a little bit in 2017, and then 2018. It looks like they shifted you back into starting. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they were just trying to keep our innings down in that 2017 after you know high school and kind of just slowly ease us into the whole thing. And then uh, 2018 came. Spring spring training rolled around uh, last year, and I didn't know whether you know I, I wasn't told yet. And uh, spring training games, I was still throwing out of the pen because there's a lot of guys right to get innings in, so I didn't know what that means. And then, is when extended rolled around, I was you know in a starter's workload and everything. Yeah, I want to step step back to that curveball. I've I'm now I'm curious about grips and and how. So you're developing a curveball, and there's a bunch of different ways you can hold it. Um, what do you do with your curveball? 
Is it a traditional grip? Do you spike it? Do you have a finger off? I wish I had a baseball to show you guys right now. But no, I so in high school what I did was I, I choked it as hard as like you know you, no no space in between the ball and your fingers you know okay. traditional grip yeah and I would choke it as hard as I could and uh, came came here with the Padres kind of stayed with that this past uh, 2018 I was I was there and then I moved it around I was throwing a knuckle curve just because I, I didn't really have great command of it at all right and then I was I went to, I was spiking it with a knuckle curve. Uh, did that for like half the half of the AZL season, and then, you know, one bullpen we we changed it. You know, I was even actually a funny story. We were actually uh, Steve Lyons, our, our uh, pitching coordinator. He showed me a slider grip, and we ditched the curveball. Like, well, you know, must have been my sixth start in the AZL, seventh start, because I wasn't even throwing the curveball. So I was throwing a slider, and the slider lasted for like two two outings, right, two weeks or something. And it wasn't that the slider, the slider was a good pitch, but we just stopped on that went because I still believed in my curveball, went back to a curveball. And it was, I spaced it out. So the same grip I always had, but I kind of, I left like, I I keep like an inch away from the, the inside of my hand and to the ball. So I kind of went to that and, and I, something clicked that, you know, I was thinking fastball out of the hand and, you know, I found it in instructs. So nice. Yeah. Nice. So, you uh, did you stay with the team for the rest of the season there, or did they send you back to Arizona with uh, with Fort Wayne? No, no, no. I, I stayed with the, with the with the team. Yeah, I got to see the end of the season. Nice. So you, I don't have all the research I've done here. You don't surf, do you surf? Uh, yeah, I surf. I I actually surfed a lot this past off season, which was fun. So, so I got into it with my buddy back home. I got to go to Oahu for the first time about a year and a half ago. And I so I've been swimming out nice. at Waimana, Waimanalo. Waimanalo. I, I'm saying it wrong. But that's, yeah, Waimanalo? that's right by where you grew up, right? Yeah, that's like, that's it's neighboring my hometown. Yeah, it's like my side. It's called the east side. So that's like five minutes from my house. Any, any secret local spots you could tell me about for next time I head out there? Place where you can see lots of colorful fish and turtles and all that? Um... Definitely check out China Walls when you're out there. China I don't walls. know if it'll come. It, it's you'll, you should be able to Google it. China Walls is a really sick spot. Nice. I, I love that place. Uh, China Walls, and then definitely go out to the west side. Just the west side. <laughs> you'll, you'll figure it out. The west side, why not? Beautiful. Nice. <laughs> okay, so yeah. this is your second professional season. Uh, did the Potters give you any idea, any, any homework, anything to work on in the off season? Uh, not necessarily. I think it's a general consensus. Like I knew what I needed to do, which is just continue to get stronger. Um, I'm still, I, I just turned 19. So I, I know I'm still young in that department, but there was things with my delivery that, that I knew I needed to work on. Not, and, and they told me too, but it was more stuff on my own as far as like what I wanted to do with my mechanics that I right. knew would, cause I, I always thought, you know, there was something I was missing with my mechanics and this off season, I've kind of focused on my backside in my back leg and trying to use my legs more when I'm throwing, because I, I just feel like I'm losing velo and stuff in my mechanics. So this off season I've worked on it and it's gotten a lot better, but I, there's still a lot of work to do as far as, you know, my mechanics go. How about your wind up versus working out of the stretch? I actually don't have a wind up. I just, I'm straight out of the stretch. Never. Never threw out of the, I haven't thrown out of the windup wow. since I was a young kid. Yeah, only stretch. So, 
and they, they we've talked i've talked with them and they, and they say you know it's it, there's no reason to go into a windup if you you know you don't need to so do you do you think about being quick to the plate or you know with runners on base or anything like that well it was brought up in fort i'm, I'm sure you guys heard uh it was brought up in fort wayne that i was really my leg kick was always really fast, especially in high school. Uh, it was, you know, really quick. Like I would go as fast as I could. And just throughout the past year, last year, I would just, it slowly got slower and slower and slower. And then like me looking at videos sometime, especially in that Fort Wayne game, I'm like, damn, my, my leg kick is really slow. And I think it just slowly, gradually just got slower and slower. Um, you look at tape of me in extended last year my leg kick was so much faster and it just i don't know what happened there but um no it was never something i really thought of because my leg kick was always fast so it wasn't a it wasn't a problem you know it wasn't hey this guy's on base i gotta do something different because my leg kick's always the same so i mean this year obviously i'm trying to go a little quicker and uh and yeah so so did did a, did a work on a good pickoff move. So <laughs> we've worked on that, you know. Did a, did a coach important. work with you on that, or was it who pointed that out to you, or was it just that there was a game you were, they were running wild on you and you realized something was wrong? It, yeah, it wasn't really brought to my attention in Arizona so much, uh, but in that Fort Wayne game, there was yeah, there was like three or four bags off of me, and you know a couple runs scored that shouldn't have scored if they didn't steal that bag so easily, and. Uh, you know, yeah, it was brought to my. It was like, wow, I, you know, if you if you're faster the plate, these guys don't steal on you. These two runs don't score. You know, your ERA is that much lower. You're that much better of a pitcher. So, you know, it's important. Nice. So, how's this offseason yeah. changed from the last one? Uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, I think going into spring training last year, you know, it was my first one, not really knowing what to expect, and and I thought I were, I thought I had a good offseason. The, the two years ago right and you know, i was like yeah i'm ready for spring training and i'm no way i was i was not ready I, so that's why this year uh i actually worked out at tactical strength in hawaii it's a it's a gym where most of the professional athletes from hawaii go it's kind of a small group obviously but uh i don't know if you guys are familiar with max holloway he's a usc champion uh a lot of the pro surfers from hawaii and then colton wong with the cardinals you know all a lot nice. of the pros from hawaii that they all work out there, which is great. I was there every morning. So nice. doing Kurt, that, Kurt Suzuki, yeah. I think, is also a Hawaiian. Was Kurt Suzuki out there? Is he still living in Hawaii? Yeah, he lives Kitchen. in Maui. So yeah. he, I, I, haven't, I haven't met him, but no, yeah, he's, I haven't met Curry Yates yet either, actually. Yeah, he's he's, he's from the Big Island, right? He's from Kauai, I believe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Kauai, Kauai. Kauai. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say something mean. <laughs> well, because well, he was on the uh, Japanese All Star the, the the showcase game with the MLB after the end of the season, you know. And they asked him a bunch of questions like, "What's some? What can you talk pigeon?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah, yeah shaka bra." It just <laughs> yeah, I saw the video. It was yeah. kind of painfully awkward. It was kind of painfully awkward <laughs> from a guy who's from Hawaii, and you know, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I. I so the, I know the feeling. Yeah. So were you just working out in the off season or did you uh, have a side job? Were you teaching, um, you know, helping with camps or anything like that? Uh, no, I was just working out. I basically work out all morning and then go to the beach in the afternoon. And then once, once uh, December came around, I'd, I'd throw, I'd either throw before I worked out or I'd throw in the afternoon at my high school. Did you travel back to the so, mainland at all? So like after the season was over, did you have to go? So you went to instructs um, and that were you at Petco park for that showcase? Yes, I was. Okay. 
Uh, but you didn't pitch yeah. in that. No, no, I was I was in the bullpen for the uh, the, la- the the final game, that night game where all the fans came. Yeah, I was in the bullpen. I almost yeah. pitched, but I warmed up, but I didn't pitch. So. Ah, dude, next time when well we were there, we've gone to every one of those since they've had it, and uh, but we're yeah, no, those behind, are great. Dude, we're usually sitting behind the dish, you know, wanting to get uh, to the game close. Maybe next time we'll go hang out in the bullpen or we'll sneak out well, there. They, they've happen. got it all shut out out there. So I'm a season ticket holder. We have a half season, and our seats are right on the bullpen, like right up against the fence. So we love to sit there and watch the relievers warm up. Um, yeah. But they had that whole end of the ballpark shut down yeah. so that you had to sit like between first and third base, yeah, which yeah. was nice. We got to sit in seats I usually can't afford. But at the same <laughs> time, I kind of missed hanging out back there and watching the pitchers do their thing. Because everybody's got a different routine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I like that. And also watching you guys when you're all yeah. sitting on the bench and you know goofing around with each other. Exactly. Yeah, you can be in the game. <laughs> all right, you, you yeah. about ready for lightning round? Sure. Let's go lightning round. All right, lightning round. You ready? We'll, we'll get you out of here, Joey. All right. Sure. I'm just answering as fast as I can. Right? Is that? No. What it sounds like? It's just yeah. it's a bunch of quick short questions. Uh, yeah. All right. Body uh, body surfing or boogie boarding? Uh, body surfing. Most embarrassing song in your playlist? Anything by Justin Bieber. You have Justin Bieber in your in your phone? Oh, Joey's a big Justin Bieber fan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's embarrassing to you? Like the most embarrassing song? Uh, I mean, maybe so. Okay, maybe Taylor Swift then. All right, everyone does a Taylor Swift. What? (laughs) She's attractive and she's a talented woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I didn't play baseball, I would be a. Uh, I have no idea. B- businessman. I guess, I guess we don't need to worry about that for a right. few years. You better stick with baseball. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. Nice. Uh, okay, so the most annoying, I don't know how to write this sentence. The most annoying thing non-Hawaiians ask you when they find out you're from Hawaii. Ooh, there's a lot. Um, mainly, I I can't wrap my, my mouth, but uh, when they just... They think you live in like a grass hut sometimes. You know, I've gotten that before. You know, like when when they think you're not you, it's Hawaii's not a state. Uh, a lot of things I can't. Yeah, <laughs> they don't think. Well, that's probably pretty true these days with a lot of people. Okay, all right. Uh, I, I got one. Five guys are in and out. Oh, ooh, five guys. Okay, is it is it the fries, or the burger, or both? The, the burger. It's a quality burger. It's bigger. And, yeah, it's a real burger. All right, yeah. that's fair. In and Out's good, but it's it's fast food. Oh, if they're both fast food. Yeah, yeah, I can see the difference. I get that. Pan- <laughs> uh, waffle or pancakes? Waffle. All right, tell us the one thing that you uh, tell us something about you that we don't know, that people may find shocking or interesting. Hmm. Putting them on the spot. Did you meet someone famous? Did you? Uh, I don't know. Wrestle a shark or something. I don't know. <laughs> I have no. You guys stifled me. That's uh, all right. Okay, we'll go. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't got one for you. We'll guys. give you a pass. Right. We'll give you a pass Sorry on that. that. Have you Have you had a chance to do any traveling since you uh since you've signed? Uh yeah, like as far as my own little traveling. Yeah, uh, yeah. Have you been able to go anywhere you've always wanted yeah. to be able to go? Yeah, actually, my my parent, my mom loves to travel. That's what she that's what she's done her whole life. So, uh, two last off season, 
um, we went to Italy because my sister was studying abroad. So we got to go to Rome. Nice. Yeah, Rome, Sorrento. Yeah, it was beautiful. So that was obviously, that's up there. Well, and your dad's uh, Sicilian, right? So that kind of goes back to your, your roots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we went down there. That was that was best trip ever. So we went this past offseason. We went to Seattle. Got to see my sister, who actually goes to Seattle U. Um, all right. Yeah, we've we've gone on a few trips. Yeah. Does your so your mom's from Guyana? Have you been to South America at all? Yeah, Guy, uh, Guyana. I've not been to South America. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah, could one probably day. one day you could probably pitch for Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic in the future. <laughs> Yeah, I man. have no. I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah you might be able <laughs> to take know. your pick between America, between right? Right, because if your parent, your dad's from uh, Sicilian, and mom's from Guyana. Yeah, yeah, but how? How they definitely don't have a team. How close does the relation need to be, though? Can it be like my great great grandfather was from Italy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it could, and they do have a, they do have a baseball team in the world in the World Baseball Classic. That is. All right. Well, we've we've berated you with yeah. enough questions. Thank you so much for taking <laughs> your time joking. with us. Yeah, we really, appreciate it. Really this. appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, we'll see you. We're going to be there at the uh, about midway through March uh, in the backfields there. So uh, we'll, we'll find s- you. We'll heck you a little bit. Yeah, we'll see you. Just don't you know? You can All avoid right. us. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, thank All you. Right, Take care. It. That was cool. Yeah. You know, here's the thing about Joey. Is, you know, he's a 16th round guy. Yes. He's 25 out of high school. You know, they're high on him. They, the Padres are really excited about him. They are. And, you know, Mad Friars followed him all this last season. They're, they're his Arizona League guy of the year, pitcher of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they expect him. He's throwing 89 now. Just turned 19. You heard me just say he just turned 19. He's going to grow with velocity. Oh, yeah. He said that he's working to get stronger. And the velocity is going to come with that. Yeah. And you'll see breaking pitches develop as the strength comes. Yeah. Um, but and he's already showing good performance being as young as he is. So the development is there. And I think that's where they look at a lot of these guys and they see the frame, they see the work ethic, they see the approach, and they say, this is a kid that's that's coachable. This is somebody that we can work yeah. with. Well, And you see the film, you see the videos out of uh, Fort Wayne, and he already <laughs> He looks like a professional pitcher. Like, that's a that's a pitcher right there. Well, yeah, and he's tall. He's yeah. got shoulders. He's yeah. got a frame. And he looks the part. Yeah, absolutely. And he's athletic too. I like that he played first base growing up. That he likes to hit. Um, so that means he's going to be. A, you know, when we were talking to him about that, the thought came into my mind of of watching Joey Lucchese last year. I'm, oh, Joey. I'm, I'm sure they've got Joey doing a whole bunch of base running drills and oh stuff, but he looked with a bat in his hand or on the bases. He looked so out of place. Got it, but it was kind of comical in a way because it was just like, oh, I mean, everyone, even the common fans, it, it, the Pekka was like, wow. Yeah, it, it's it's really comical bad. when it's a team that you really don't care if they win or lose. It's about developing the players, but. Yeah when those wins and losses start to matter and then that base, that extra out that you've got coming yeah. up, it matters. It it gets painful. So if you've got a pitcher without the DH, if you've got a pitcher coming up that can swing a little lumber, you know, even if he can hit 200 and hit a double every once in a while, and that's a very useful thing in a lineup. Well, that and bunt guys over or even sack fly. Um, but I also know- the fielding side of it too. Yeah. Because you got to field your position. Yeah. So growing up being a first baseman, he's used to getting off. The, and that's another thing that Joey Lucchese just looks awkward when he has to step off the mound. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I don't mean to knock Joey. No, Sorry, Michelle, if you're listening. Right. No, we don't. It, we, we do this in fun and love and, and positivity. Uh, but there's a case for us to not have the designated hitter. And he said it, too. He's like, I know they're talking about a designated hitter, but I want to rake. Yeah, yeah. Dude. So that was great talking to Joey. Absolutely. Good guy. Um, and Huang was like, I didn't know he surfed. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I figured growing up there, you've got to you know, borrow somebody's board every once in a while or something. It's just, it's something that comes with it. You're right by going up right by the beach. You know, and I didn't mention that uh, I turned 50 this year and we're going to go to Hawaii. Oh, you are? Uh, well, we're tentatively going to Hawaii. Okay. I might throw a curveball on the wrench and, uh, and just say, hey, let's hit up a couple of minor league ballparks like maybe Amarillo or Fort Wayne. I know I, I, it, I might, we might, but I, Hawaii, I, I don't know. It, it's a bucket list kind of a thing. You got to go if you've never been. I've never been to Hawaii. Yeah, so I, I, wanted I always wanted to the- go. I had a chance to go once a couple a year and a half ago, and yet the situation wasn't ideal. I still had a nice time, right? But then going this last fall with or this last summer with Angela, we had just such an amazing time. Yeah, and, but I'm a body surfer, so I, it's and I'm getting fifty. So when you go body surfing here in San Diego, like say Marine Street, uh-huh. and it's called bomb body whomping for a reason. Oh yeah. You, it takes me like three days just to kind of get my head straight. Uh-huh. You just get slammed on the sand so bad. All right. Well, then just get a snorkel and just go out there and hang out with the fish and the turtles. No, but I, well, I'm going to go shark diving. Yeah. I okay. Wanna, I'm a big shark guy. I love yeah? sharks. You get, there's an excursion for that. Yeah. And uh, go get in a shark cage and go punch jaws in the mouth. I don't, I don't know. So t- we were talking about Joey Lucchese and all of this. So this makes, I want to open a topic with you. We've got the time. Um, the opener. So there's an angle to that that I like. So Joey Lucchese, not a good hitter. He's kind of a liability on the base pass, at right. least as he is right now. So if he's the starter, you are you're expecting, you're hoping that he's going to wind up coming up to bat a couple of times in the game. That means that he's pitching well right? and that the offense is turning over. But if you have the opener, if you have somebody like Robert Stock start the game off, then he can pitch one or two innings hopefully turn their the other team's rotation or their lineup, lineup over, over once. Yeah. And then when his spot in the order comes up, you have a pinch hitter and now you bring in somebody like Lucchese that might. So now, now you've had, you've gone through what nine plus eight more at bats before you come up to that pitcher spot again. Okay. And you haven't had the pitcher bat yet. Instead, you've got Fran Mill Reyes come in to pinch hit. Right. Or you've got Ian Kinsler in the right situation. Right. I, I, a starters have to start, I think. Um, so it would be Lucchese probably starting the game and then stock coming in. Well, who said that starters have to start? Because uh, that didn't work for the Rays. I and mean, Sergio Romo made a bunch of starts last year. Right, but, but you could start a reliever, but you can't. Well, look what happened in the in the playoffs mm-hmm. with uh, with with the Brewers. Yeah, having their having that. The decoy? The decoy. Well, the starter. Yeah. The, the starter was a bullpen guy, and uh-huh. he was horrible. And he's one of the – I think he's your closer. I, oh, I, with that. Well, that was because they were thin on the rotation. Though. Right. Yeah. But if you've got somebody like Robert Stock that can come in, and he's going to power through the front of their of their order yeah. before you have to go to your actual starter. So now the other team can't stack a bunch of lefties against a left-handed pitcher. Or, no, I mean, I, a bunch of righties against the left hand, but I I like that angle of the offensive side of it that yeah. you're not you're you're giving away one less at bat, and if that guy gets on base, it's not as if the pitcher got on base and now you've got Joey Lucchese goofing okay. his way around the the bases. Right. 
But if you remember the over and under with Robert Stock on the Try Harder podcast, huh. he had some of the over under with doubles and singles and hits. He thinks he's going to get some at bats this year. Well, I was looking at and Kazuhisa Makita got some at bats. Yeah. Uh, Kirby Yates had his first at bat, and it ended in a in a in that face plant in a first base. <laughs> <laughs> But relievers have a chance every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, you get yeah. a long game. and Even get, Trevor Hoffman got some at bat. Yeah, you're going to tell him, okay, <laughs> you're going to be in there for two or three innings no matter what happens. You just got to suck up some innings right here. But you got a good point. And that, and that would be a good reason why to keep all those outfielders, you know, granted anything else happened with the free agent market, keeping a lot of those guys on the 25-man roster. If you have Franchi come up, you know, in that second time around, you mm-hmm. know, with throwing someone else, you know, in, in the lineup. Yeah. Um, excellent bat. Perfectly good fielder. Mm-hmm. Friend, you, yeah. You know, and so you have a reason to have those guys on the on the 25 man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe as you're getting through that, through the, the lineup, you know that the offense is clicking and you're off to an early lead. Yeah. Then you can make a switch and pull somebody who's maybe a better, uh, you know, a better bat and put in Travis Jankowski. Yeah. And so I, Fran Mill Reyes hits a home run, Rob knocks in three runs. Okay, good job, Fran Mill. Um, but Travis if, is going to take it for the rest of the game so we can hold the lead. Yeah. But if we have a, if we do the opener with all that talent in AAA, uh, Padres Twitter will riot. Why? If they're winning games? They will riot. I've, I've even seen a couple of times someone mentioned opener and they're like, that better not ever happen. The, the reason I could see it being deployed this year is because the pitching staff is – I don't young. want to say thin, but it's young. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to have a lot of guys on right. innings limits and pitch count limits. Right. Um, you're not going to have people that you can expect to go out there and pitch 250 innings. Yeah. And you know, make 30 plus starts. Well, and perfect, good, perfect, perfectly good example of that is Chris Paddock. Yeah. He did 90, 90 innings last year. One year out of Tommy Johnson's, do you think he's going to do 200? No, no, you no. He's going to do 150. He might do 120, 130. Absolutely. Yeah. So how they'll they'll have him in the minors? I would think maybe shuttle him back and forth from the minors because he's probably going to st- once he's up for good and he's stretched out well enough that he'll stick and he won't have to like you can blow through the options or you can blow through. Uh, you know the shuttling of him back and forth so they can limit his innings. I don't think he's going to shuttle at all. I think they once he looks like he's good and he's you know healthy and strong, put him in there and let him go. Same with Logan Allen. That just put him in the rotation and then use up all those bullets. And once he gets to the innings limit, you shut him down and and that's, that's it and yeah. move on to next year. That's a good a good point too because we're not contending in 2019. So if he, to me the up and down guy is like yeah. Brett Kennedy, you know. They, yeah. they, okay, you need a spot starter. Somebody's hurt. We need somebody up for a couple of weeks. Right. Okay, Brett Kennedy, come on up. Or Jerry Keel. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of guy. Yeah. But I don't think you play that game. I mean, you're not going to call Fernando Tatis up and then send him back down in a couple of weeks. No. No, once he's, he comes up, he's, he's up. coming up. It's over. But Javier Guerra, okay, maybe you need somebody to play shortstop for a month. Right. right? Come on up. And now back down to AAA you go. Right. But now when Chris Paddock comes up, he's going to look good. Okay. He's going to be fine. Okay. He's going to struggle, but he's going to be mature enough to work through it. <sighs> Can you tell we're excited about totally, this season? Totally excited. I, it's just so glad. I'm just glad to look at Twitter and go like, oh, look, there's photographs of actual baseball going on. Yeah. Baseball activities have begun. Yes. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Position players are working out. It's a nice time of year. The gazelles are gazelling. Everything is new. Everything is fresh. 
Okay, so that's it. You can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And I am Zippy underscore TMS. Go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres.